Hello, listener. This is one of my episodes where I stress test my thought frameworks and look for ways to improve upon them. As a reminder, I made an error with my first six episodes that involved intermittently losing sound from my microphone. Unfortunately, this also resulted in the loss of one entire episode. I do want to take this opportunity to apologize to Florence. I loved the conversation we had, and I am terribly sorry that it was lost. I would love to have you on again anytime. For these last three episodes, I did not do much editing at all. My first two episodes had taken so much time to edit, and I was just delaying far too much. To give you some context, I'm posting these in 2023, and they were recorded in spring of 2021. The voice cuts out a lot, but I hope you can still get some value out of the episode. I will be sure that this doesn't happen again. Let's begin. You're going to try to convince me to save the world. Some of our ideas are a bit ambitious. I know how hard this is for you to hear. Government should be afraid of their people. you got the makings of greatness in you. What we do in life echoes in eternity. If you could see your whole life from start to finish. We would be given a choice to betray our chosen destinies. I have to believe in a world outside my own mind. An idea that is fully formed, fully understood, that sticks. Love is the one thing that transcends dimensions of time and space. Are you watching closely? Welcome, my beautiful, wonderful listener to the Talking About Talking podcast, where we will be talking about everything and anything and talking about talking about those things. I am joined today with Beth Kinchley. Did I pronounce that correctly, Beth? Good. Yes, Beth was the manager of training and development at the London Public Library for 20 years and worked there for a total of 45 years. Thank you for joining me, Beth. Very pleased to. So, Beth, I intend on getting into some of these abstract framework thoughts and concepts with you, but first, I would like to discuss something a little more surface, not quite as deep, although we can dive into it, I'm sure. Uh, That is homeschooling, because my fiancé was homeschooled, and my mom wanted to homeschool me, but when I was, whatever, five, I was like, no way, I'm going to school. And uh, yeah, so I've kind of had an affinity to it, and I've always thought that I was going to homeschool my kids and I'm ecstatic to be in a partnership with someone that was homeschooled that wants to homeschool her children which will be our children I don't have kids of my own right now but it's my understanding that you are currently homeschooling your grandchildren like so many grandparents are right at the moment given the COVID experience so what led to that decision um so the first thing that was a consideration was the fact that both their parents were working from home. So how did they do that and deal with the children? Um, so that was one thing. The other thing was that Daniel um, has a rare disease that means that his immune system is uh, vulnerable to COVID. And Daniel's so the little guy, right? Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Daniel, Daniel's the little guy? Yes, he's, he's seven Daniel. now. Seven, okay. And um, so because of his vulnerability, there really was no discussion about his going back to school until such time as vaccinations were happening and we could be sure that there was really not very much risk. Right. 
And of course, because he's not going, his younger sister, Gwen, who is five, wasn't going to go. So given that they were both at home, it seemed really important that we all jump in and, mm -hmm. and manage this. So it's my understanding that you are a, or, or, I guess I should ask, are you the primary teacher? No, I would say their mother is the primary. I'm, I have them two mornings a week. Okay. And then whatever else comes up. But they come to me and we're concentrating on the basics of reading, math, um, science, because there wasn't a whole lot in the science curriculum as far as I could see. Um, environmental things. So we're paying attention to the curriculum, but we're also dealing with their interests. So Daniel has many and varied interests. So it's uh, every Monday night, it's a big research thing on Google to figure out how we're going to present whatever it is we're going to present for the week. So today, for example, we discussed communication through signage and talked about directional signage, informational signage, and uh, warning signage and relate that to their own experience, which I think is the the biggest thing is to make sure that they put all of this within their own framework. Yeah, yeah. Re relating it back to things they already know and understand. Definitely a fundamental part of learning. I, I have been told that it's a bit of a wizard in his yeah. cognitive abilities. Yeah. yeah, so Daniel is incredibly conceptual. So you can teach theory and concept and there's no problem with that at all. Gwen is a much more practical person. So she requires the hands-on, the application to her own setting. And she's five, what do you want for nothing? So, so the two of them are very different people to teach at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we were, we're also working out a process where I might get Daniel and um, his mother keeps Gwen and then we swap. Okay. And, and we can do things that are important to both of them. I, I, are you working? Cause so you said curriculum and you're following a curriculum. You, so did you, I'm not entirely sure my fiance would know exactly know how that works with like getting a curriculum for homeschooling. Is there homeschooling so, curriculums or do you pull that from the actual school board or how does that no, work? So I went to the, um, Ontario education ministry site and that's where you can find the curriculum curriculum laid out and and so it's divided by grades so you go and find the area that you're working in um, the difficulty for daniel because he is a very conceptual kind of guy he needs to know as much the why of something as the how of something and my finding um, because i'm not a teacher so i can only read it the way you know anybody would read it is that there wasn't a lot of why in the in their grade level. Well, Daniel needs the why. So so that's where I come in is I do a lot of explaining of why things are the way they are. And then we talk about the, the how it looks and the how you make it work. Right. So you, you're giving him the why based on your knowledge. Is there anything that you're just kind of shifting him ahead on that you're just kind of recognizing yeah, there is no point to get him on something else as a waste of his time. Oh, I think we've certainly done a lot of enhanced work, and I see that happening when he goes back to school. Um, you know, like we think it's important that he does go back to school for the socialization piece, but mm. um, 
he's going to be board stiff. So Chris, his mother and I both agreed we were going to have to take up the slack. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you say that for the socialization aspect. And I think that's something that's a common misunderstanding with homeschooling for most people is that people think you're not going to be socialized or you're not going to know how to interact with other kids, et cetera, et cetera. From learning who she is as a person, she's certainly not unsocialized. And in fact, her social are far superior to many other people that I've met. And And I think the answer there is you have to have parents who are very alive to that and make sure that that happens. Right. You know, with, because all of our experience at this point has been in the middle of COVID. Yeah. That, um, the ability to create those socialized settings has been pretty limited. Yeah. Tricky to do that in, and she explained how her and her brothers were, they raced BMXs. So they were always in sport and they had teams and people that they hung out with and they saw sure. events and training and stuff. So it's act with kids your age outside of school. And I think probably one of the more predominant things that stands out for me is that I have told her stories about me being in public school, me being in high school and social interactions between me, the actions of being like, oh my God god like (laughs) why did you guys want that i'm so glad i was not involved in that stupidity and i when she says that i go yeah that's a good point stupidity just certain social structures and hierarchies of like popular kids and pressures of drugs yeah yeah. for sure high school i was a bit of a shut-in i liked video games better than people um So when it comes to homeschooling, now that you've, and this is your first take on homeschooling, you didn't. No. When it comes to homeschooling, I think about with the latest thing, there's been a lot of people on the internet and I'm going to get, oh man, people are going to be really mad about me saying this and I'm, I'm ready. It's, it's cool. Go ahead and be mad. You you hate me for this. Let it fly. It's all good. We'll have a chat about it. Um, but basically, I, I intend on having children. I don't currently have children. So it's like, what's where's my place in saying these kind of things? But like, I when I chose to be a mom, I didn't expect to be a teacher or I didn't want to be a teacher. And I, I've seen that in so many different ways. Yeah. They've said it, that general over the last year. And it makes me shake my head every single time. What yeah. the hell do you mean you weren't ready to be a teacher? Because to me... Like, what the hell else? Yeah, your whole job is being a teacher. Exactly. So you're providing food or you're, like, putting Band-Aids on their boo-boos and, like, patting their head every once in a while? Like, what else are you doing if you're not teaching? It's a lot of offense for some people. And I understand that not everyone has kids on purpose and shit happens and yada yada. But, I mean, hey, don't have sex. Like, right? (laughs) If you don't want that to happen. So I guess what I would... That whole, it, I've given my opinion. I would like to get your perspective on that whole, um, I guess, the perspective that those people have where they're like, this is stupid. I didn't want to. Have- and I think, you know, if we're going to be charitable, um, I would say that they probably don't really mean they didn't sign up to be teachers. I think what they mean is I didn't sign up to have to create lesson plans. That's good. Yep. And that, that I don't know how to create lesson plans right? in a way that is going to help my child to learn mm-hmm. a certain thing. Are they not and given lesson plans? Really, sorry? Lesson plans? 
Is this not provided? Not necessarily. You have to go hunt for them. Oh, okay. So with the kids at home from school, when the schools were kids? The first time that they sent the kids home, they weren't prepared for this any more than anybody else was. So I think the quality of the the work that came online was really varied because it just depended whether you had somebody who had a really solid understanding of how this works or somebody who was given a job and did the best they could and mm-hmm. um, you know weren't really familiar with this environment. So so I you know I feel badly for teachers who are just jettisoned into this kind of place where this isn't where they like to be and don't don't particularly have any good feeling about it. Um, and parents who don't spend their whole lives putting together cogent plans for teaching their children. Like they certainly, I think everyone would agree that you you teach your children by osmosis every day, but to sit down and teach you, you know, geometry when geometry certainly wasn't a thing I loved when I was a kid. Yes. And I don't remember most of it because it was boring as hell and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, what do I do now? Now, there are a bajillion resources on the internet. You can certainly go find them, but some of them cost money and some of them mm-hmm. um, make you work a little harder to get them. And yep. so yeah. If, I, you, if you're not accustomed to doing that kind of work, then that's that's a lot of extra work. I think that's an excellent point in their favor. These, whatever, the people that we're discussing, the category of people that are feeling overwhelmed by the extra work that is teaching their children as well as being. And working from home because their job didn't quit. Right. And and I I think about, to kind of empathize with that, I'm a personal trainer and there's like a certain progression to exercises where (laughs) you do a specific exercise and you it's just the first day that you've met that person, I can already know by my expertise that you're a terrible personal trainer because there's so many things you should have done first to check their machine or into that movement, right? And so I can see how that would be the same for teaching, that you should be teaching things progressively. And maybe you've got, you know, two or three kids at home and they don't all learn the same way. So one's a visual learner, one's a kinesthetic learner, yes. one is an auditory learner, then now yes. what do you Yes, another excellent, excellent point. I I retract some of my head. All <laughs> you should still be at least a little bit okay with the fact that you're teaching your child things. I mean, Oh, for sure. Right. Um, because you are whether you intend to or yeah, not. Exactly. And I, I, I'm guessing there's that don't keep it in mind often enough that you're teaching your child every second of every day that you're around yep. them, whether you're choosing to or not. So what are you doing? Look in the mirror, right? That's what yep. your kid's going to be. Um, and don't be surprised when it pops out when you least expect it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So then what would you say, because we were planning on uh, homeschooling order by the time we have kids, it doesn't matter. We're going to be homeschooling your kids. What is there a value in homeschooling that you see now that you did not know of before? I don't know that I see anything that I didn't, wasn't aware of before. I, there were things that I have learned um, from doing this and from listening to other people who have homeschooled that I'm come from the, uh, you know, type A, here's the list, you get it done. And what do you do when the kids aren't in the mood? Yeah. 
So I've had to kind of take a step back and say, you know, it's in homeschooling, it is not so important that we get every little box ticked right. every day. Yes. Because they're getting my 100% attention and for three hours straight. Mm-hmm. So there's no other distraction in the room. There's nothing else. So in fact, we are probably doing what seven hours in a regular classroom would look like. So even when I have the sense, you know, the eyeballs are rolling, or yeah. they're, they're losing attention, I can stop. We can go outside and run around. We can, you know, you know go and get a snack. We can do what we need to do in order to refocus more easily than you can in a school. Yeah, that's awesome. And I've, I've heard that from my fiance. She's told me about how when she was whatever age, there was many times where her mom would sit her down in front of math and her mom would recognize that she wasn't in the mood and she'd go, all right, let's go to the park today. Let's go yep. outside. Let's go on an adventure. It's going to happen later on. Yeah. And I get yourself ready with the idea that we're coming back to this in a couple of hours. Today, like yeah. kind of being like, hey, right. Sorry. But one of the things that I had to, well, had to, one of the things that I started to incorporate. So when they come in in the morning, the first thing we do is we sit down with the computer and we talk about burning questions. And okay. so these are the things that they come in because they heard, they saw, they just had some interest in. Like Gwen has come in periodically with a flower she's picked. What is this? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this fell off a tree. What's, what does the tree use this for? Daniel, who's incredibly into um, nature and different kinds of animals, he will come and, you know, this morning he wanted to talk about tardigrades. You know what a tardigrade is? Ever heard of that? A tardigrade is a microscopic animal. Okay. Who knew, eh? So this is, you know, this is the kind of stuff Daniel brings you. So he wanted to look at tardigrades. He wants to draw a tardigrade. He wants to know how they produce. And are they, in fact, asexual? So (laughs) He asked these questions? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he's six. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, seven. Yeah. No, Daniel comes in every day and goes, hey, you learn today. And Gwen says, can I have a snack? (laughs) that's awesome i like that so i think in in summary it sounds like from what you're saying this you and 100 percent of you so that 100 percent attentiveness obviously there's a lot of quality that goes on with that for um regarding the fact that you're their grandmother and not just a person hired to have the job or whatever right and so there's a lot of quality that goes on in that and then that you have this 100% effort teaching them and you're expressing how this three hours that you're teaching them could be representative of seven hours in a classroom, possibly kind of shoot from the hip, right, as an estimate. And that if they're not into it, you can kind of transition into a different tech uh, activity and bring them back and stuff like that. So you can fluctuate with the mood of the child rather than having them force through their feelings and force them to learn something that they don't want to learn, which there and could be. You know your child. What's you that? You know your child. Yes, so yes. You can take those micro expressions, those movements, and go, you didn't get that. So let me wheel around again. Yeah, that's a really or good point. You're, you're losing interest. So let me reframe this in a way that's going to be interesting to you. That's an excellent point. That, that deeper level of, uh, deeper level of empathy that allows you to teach clearer and to 
Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that argument in and of itself is enough in favor of homeschooling for um, that your child will have more time to explore being what they want to play with. And, and what's important to them right now. Yeah, exactly. Because it gives them more freedom on what they're learning in this schooling or homeschooling in general and it gives them more freedom outside because they don't have to be stuck in this cage rules that kind of thing because that's the thing that gwen just can't do so i i I can understand that if she's like i want a snack (laughs) (laughs) okay she's she's running up and down the stairs she's got to have something going on so yeah that's awesome so I could probably just talk with you for hours about homeschooling in general. <laughs> so let's branch off to these um, concepts. I have kind of sort of 10 of them. I am open to all input on these. And the whole overarching goal is to create a message or a collection of messages or a collection of thoughts that, and it, whether that's in the form of a book or just these podcasts or some sort of audio, anything. I don't, I don't know how it's going to work and I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I, this is sounds that can generate a paradigm shift globally so that we can change everyone's perspective on humanity. Right. Does that make sense so far? Yep. Okay. So the first concept is really simple and really basic. And that is that life's top priority you are is your relationships with the people that matter most in your life right and and that's and donald trump all the same you have a pyramid of what matters in our lives as individuals the whole bottom can be scattered the top point pinnacle of every human that it's it's not so much the human i think that's important it's not the the person or the physical body itself. It's the time you spend with them and your understanding of that's something that you would agree with. I don't know that I would assign the same level of priority. Um, I think it is extremely important to recognize that out of respect and and respect includes um, listening to their ideas. We don't have mm-hmm. to agree. Um, the difficulty, of course, happens when you don't, mm-hmm. and then, how, you know, how do you deal with that? Right. Um, am I going to develop a relationship with Vladimir Putin? <laughs> We're a little off track here. Vladimir Putin's most important thing in his life is his relationships with his most important people in his life. Right. Your most important thing in your life is your relationships with your most important people in the old, the totally old family right. first. Yes. That's, yeah. That's and essentially family, what it is. And people who are family, even if they weren't born in the same group you were born in. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what this friends are family and always prioritize family over work. Like the movie Click with Adam Sandler. That's a great movie. Um, all, all that just kind of summarizes that. So you, you present this to people and people go, well, yeah, obviously. Right. So so then are we are we still on the same page or do you disagree with that do you feel like there's people that i would say it's not obviously to everyone um because there are people who have prioritized their work as an extension of themselves yes i can definitely agree with that and and i find that for some of those people um 
what's going on in their family is, they wouldn't describe it as secondary in terms of priority, but it's not as, um, doesn't get paid as much attention. Perfect. Yes. And that. And so, and so then surprises happen. Yes. And when the surprises happen, the person who's focused over here on this work that is very important to them now has to have their attention divided. And if you're a type, that's really difficult. So now I'm mad at you, family member who's doing something I don't agree with, mm -hmm. that I didn't even know was going on because I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. And family member who knows that they have not been paid enough attention is mad as fire because you don't care. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's an excellent point, and that helps move me towards where I, where I'm going with this. Is that you tell people this, they go, "Well, yeah, that's my top priority." Um, and you had kind of corrected me there on it, which was a very valid point that not everyone sees that as obvious. Um, and then later you mentioned that if you talk to people, they might voice that they're prioritizing their family. Uh, I'm the the statement I'm making is, uh, objectively speaking, regardless of the individual's actions or what they think is the most important. And you don't, they, people don't know that until they get on their deathbed or something traumatic exactly. happens, when right? When some event happens. You're absolutely right. People will be super hyper-focused on their work and then something happens with their family that basically smacks them in the face that they have been poorly prioritizing their life and then it creates just a jumble of conflicts and we can get into tons of detailed descriptions about those kind of examples i'm sure um, and then go ahead if you pack on top of that the fact that the person doesn't deal well with the interruption for sure either because they don't know how to or because they're so angry at being interrupted that they can't mm-hmm acknowledging that that they should have been or that even acknowledging in the moment that oh wow family really is the most important thing they probably just won't even do that to themselves they probably won't they'll just be mad about the situation and not even recognize why they're mad right like it's it's terrible it's awful the human thought is arguably if not the most complicated thing in our existence right really complicated it's it sounds way too iterative in that you'll go insane to try and think about the complexity of a thought right it's just there's so much to it and then we're basically grunting and gesturing at each other in attempts to share these yeah. a joke like that we don't with the level of complexity that we have in our thoughts is just not even anywhere close to our level of complexity and our ability to communicate, right? And so, so the trick then, um, because I agree, the complexity is enormous and our ability to deal with that is hampered by language, by um, disability, by, you know, whatever gets in the way of things. Mm -hmm. um, then we have to fall back on technique. Yes. So, so that's when, and that's the thing that I think is maybe not taught well enough in school mm -hmm. and that they leave that teaching to that osmosis through parents thing as opposed to doing excellent techniques to people. Yes. And uh, on that, while you're on that note, I would like to 
kind of press that what you just said there is one of my for wanting to create any of this at all, for wanting to have these conversations at all, is that I remember taking communications class when I was in high school and it wasn't about communicating. It was like how to use Adobe Flash and some other crap, <laughs> right? Yeah. Whereas to me, it was it, it should have been, okay, Trevor, you're partnered with David today. Trevor, you and David are discussing abortion. Trevor, it doesn't matter what your opinion is on it, but you are pro-life. David, doesn't matter what your opinion is on it, yeah. you are pro-choice. Disagreements or agreements, learn how to change your mind, learn how to be open-minded, learn how to understand. Or Trevor, how do I say to you that your feet smell so bad that it's making me crazy? Nailed it. Right? <laughs> how, do I say that how do you say it without hurting them? Yeah. yeah. Cushioning with intent and mm -hmm. that you're assuring them that you don't think there's, or you don't think that this equates to any lesser value of them as a person and that you do value them and that's why you're doing it. That's why you're letting them know, right? To just like, there's so many layers to that. And I didn't know that shit when I was 12. Yeah. Right. Who and, does? Right. And there's people that don't know it still. Trevor's facing <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now Trevor and Tolman doesn't ever want to come out of the house again. <laughs> uh, and, and so we have our relationships in our life are our most important thing. Communication sucks. It's really hard to do. And there's a gap between all people, right? You can kind of communicating, having conversations, spending time together, experiences. Like what we are doing right now, we are currently what I call minding the gap. We are kind of filling that gap between you and I as humans and building a better relationship. Uh, my last guest used the example of filters, saying every time you interact with someone, you add a new filter to your understanding of them. Uh, and you can even go so far as to say, if I watch a movie and I don't watch it with you, that is an effective way of minding the gap because we both know that we've both seen the same things and then we can discuss that. We yes. may not feel the same way about it. Yes, exactly. Um, and so I like uh, my, my closest friends and I say mind the gap when we part ways. Mm -hmm. And you are a human and I'm a human and I empathize with you on the deepest possible level and I am going to try and respect the gap between you and I next time we see each other again and until then, right? What would be your perspectives and thoughts on that analogy and how it applies to life? Well, I think it is absolutely true that we, we are the sum of our experiences and our thinking and and so yours cannot look like mine because you don't have the same experiences and thinking as I. The trick then becomes what are the things that are going to help me to give you more information? Mm -hmm. And I need to feel safe enough to do that. I need to know that you're going to treat my experiences and my thinking and my information in a respectful way. So I've got to kind of test the other Trust. problem that happens there is the problem of assumptions. Mm -hmm. I come with an automatic set of assumptions. Yes. So how do I test those before I just make assumptions about you? So again, we fall back on techniques. What are some of those that, you know, when I say this, Trevor, this is what I mean. Is that what you understand from that? Yes. Right. So we're kind of checking yeah. that. 
in your person has the same understanding you do. Yeah, and, and so you're discussing a, a tailed sense uh, revolving around communication and building relationships, and that is something that. And another thing that I think is critically important, which is um, leading with good intent yes. and assuming good intent mm -hmm. from the other person. So you might say something, and I'm sitting there thinking, "Whoa, what happened there?" But if I assume good intent on your part, then I'm going to think to myself, "Okay." What could that have meant? Mm -hmm. Or why would he have said that? Because, I mean, most people would have understood that would be hurtful. Mm -hmm. So, and he's not trying to hurt me, I don't think. Yes. So where else could that have come from? Right. And that communication so, itself is 50-50, right? It's yeah. not just... Responsibility for absolutely. your 50%. For sure. It's uh, not just somebody else's job. No, totally not. And I think that the 50-50 thing kind of works on both ends where people talk about offense, like being offended. It's everyone just needs to take in a deep breath because, difficult. sorry? It's difficult. Yes, it is. Because it's like you got comedians and creators of all different kinds in the world that are trying to spread happiness in their own way. And then other people are taking that and with their 50% perception of it doing anything they can to bend it into something horrible and horrific. And it's just... On the basis of their own agenda. Exactly. Exactly. When talking about minding the gap, I like to think of... So the process of that is... There's another analogy that I like to use called... That I call the personality Venn diagrams. And it's that if you just imagine a matrix that is infinite just this infinite matrix that it represents all possible human personality. There's no real labels because we don't know. It's too complicated, right? And you have a Venn diagram circle that is on that matrix that represents you, right? And when you meet someone that you get along with really well, their Venn diagram... I agree that somebody else's might. Yeah, right? And obviously, they're not perfect circles because they're personalities. They're complicated as hell. So we have Venn diagram blobs on this personality Venn diagram matrix. And the more time you spend with someone uh, into more of the same shape, right? As your personalities develop together, if you are properly minding the gap and trying to grow with the other person. Because of course there's relationships where people will just spend time together and have no intention of growing with that person. Yes. Right. Anything that you can add to that? Um. I think that there's the element of choice. Like we do make choices on the basis of how much time we feel we have or how engaged we are with all the other things around us. And so, you know, the, that picture of the one where the overlapping piece is small and you're content to leave it there, mm -hmm. I think has some value. Yes. I think that there are people that we interact with. It's important that we, we do that with a kind of genuine good intent and and it may just stay there and that's okay mm -hmm. i i, I want to try and further your point here and this is kind of why i've developed uh, i want to use this as an example of why i've developed these thoughts in general is to communicate these complicated things so you gave the example of meeting a person or having an individual in your life where you have just a little bit of overlap with that individual right and that you may want to just keep it that way you have no why one might do that 
An example of that might be that there's a section on that personality matrix that they are clearly in, that they have covered, that is something that is totally opposite, right? Yeah. Which can be thought of as opposites of opinions or morals, right? In extreme ways. Does that make sense? And more so often about values than yes. about, yes. you know, agree with this or that. Yeah, exactly. And these, this massive discrepancy in values is an absolute mountain to hurdle in any relationship, right? When you have dramatic conflicting values. And so if you are meeting someone or you have a relationship with someone, the value be in your life to try and work on meeting them on that value. Like, where is that going to take you, right? The conflict that you're going to inevitably run into and the, the distaste that can happen when values are completely opposite. And, and that might change. You might unintentionally have your Venn diagram morph to theirs over time or theirs morph to yours over time. And you might hit a point where you go, oh, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe I do want to work on that. Obviously very rare, but like it's that there's obviously reasons to just say, yeah, I'm not going to work in that category because this person has value in my life in this and this, but for me to change who I am and work on these really different. And I think that there's another factor then of judging. Mm -hmm. And we all know people who are very quick to leap to judgment about somebody else or some other situation. And, and if we could relax on the judging part and just deal with the reality, the actual what is going on right now. Yes. I don't have to judge your intent or judge what kind of a person you are. All I have to deal with is what's happening right now. What are the facts of this situation? Yeah. Yeah. And and then if I can suspend that judging, then I can get to the point where I can acknowledge that um, perhaps I made an assumption. Mm -hmm. Perhaps I didn't understand clearly what you were saying to me. We had a communication breakdown. Um, I've come a little more toward your point of view and you've come a little bit more toward mine. And there might be a little bit more wiggle mm -hmm. room there. But. The judging really gets in the way of being able to do all of those mm -hmm. other pieces. And so if we can just suspend that judging part, it doesn't mean you don't feel comfortable with, mm -hmm. but you just look at them as a moment in time rather than, oh, well, this is what that person is all about. Yeah. And, and, generalization. Yeah. And, and so they, you're, if I'm understanding correctly, like that, when we talked about the example of these contrasting values, your perception, you can't see people's personality Venn diagram. You can't just look at that by looking at a human, right? And so it's just that their actions or your, and then you find out later that they weren't at all in that category. Is that kind of like part of what or you're... that's not really how they think. It was what they said at the time. Yeah. Thinking that I meant something else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So this kind of transitions really well. What you just said there, it's what you said at the time, thinking you meant something else. I call it the Lego hologram. And basically, as we're having this conversation here, you and I, we're, we're kind of building a Lego structure together, right? And each thought we share is like adding pieces to that Lego structure. The problem is, it's as if these Lego structures are represented by holograms in midair between us. And I have mine on one side and you have yours on the other side. 
they're the same thing. We're building the same structure because it's yours. And when I send you a thought through communication in some way, you receive that as a Lego piece to your structure. I don't get to see what piece actually went where, but I know what I intended and I put it there on my structure. And then you say something back to me and it's the same thing where I, the 50 thing we talked about of what thought you were sharing. Does that make sense so far? And your structure is going to look very different from my structure at the end of things. Possibly, yes. And and where that comes into play. And that's exactly how we can truly understand, at least I find it's worked well for me in my relationships, how misunderstanding happens as well as many other things. Because explaining how does misunderstanding happen can be very complicating it. It's really easy to see where misunderstanding comes in. And for example, say you and I are starting a conversation about a topic. In my mind, as the conversation starts because of lack of context or how I interpreted the first sentence or whatever, I think we're building a dragon. And you think there's going to be a body and you're like, yeah, body for sure. And then I'm like, there's going to be a head and you're like, okay, I call it a cockpit, but Sure, there, there's okay, a head on it. Right, I'll, I'll let it go. I'm not going to point out that I'll call a cop pick yeah. because that's, that's being a jerk, so I'll just let it slide. And then I'm, then you're like, there's wings. And I go, hell yeah, wings. Awesome, we're on the same page. And a tail, and you go, sweet, a tail. And then you're like, and then there's fire shooting out the back. And I go, wait, what, that's... <laughs> Dude, I go, okay, sure, yeah, it's going to have armor. And then you go, and it's going to be metal. And I'm like, no, okay, no. No, it's not. And you're like, what do you mean? No, it's not. And I'm like, well, I don't want a metal dragon that farts fire. This is dumb. <laughs> right? What uh, were you thinking? Exactly. <laughs> and then you go. I blind men who touch an elephant. The five... And he says, touch a different part of the elephant. So they describe the elephant as five different, completely different things. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to write that down. I want to look at that later. Five but, it, but it's true. As soon as you start talking, all of my experience and my knowledge comes into play. And you start, you know, I listen to your words for probably the first 30 seconds, maybe if we're lucky. And in the back of my brain, all of my stuff starts turning. And I think to myself, I know what he's talking about because mm-hmm. that happened to me last week. Mm-hmm. So now I've completely given half of my brain away from you mm-hmm. because I'm busily trying to make this picture of what I remembered and what happened and what was the result and what do I know about it. And the longer you talk, the more this part of my brain is making that hypothesis. Mm -hmm. If I don't ask you enough questions, I don't get moved off my hypothesis enough to really come back to any understanding. So the way we deal with that in the library world is something called the reference interview, which is a fancy way of saying I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. Okay. But I need to ask you open-ended questions, things that can't be answered with a yes or a no, because I want you to change. So okay. tell me more about what might that look like? When you said this, I thought that. Is that what you meant? So all of those testing questions to get clarification, and then the other piece that finishes it that we don't do. I mean, we're pretty good about asking questions if we don't get something. But is the confirmation. Okay, so I think you meant you're going to build a dragon and it's going to look like this. Yes, absolutely. That's what I meant. 
Right. Or, no, no, I wasn't talking about a dragon. That, that was an example. I'm building a spaceship, but, it, you know, dragons and spaceships are yeah. kind of like, oh, okay, I get it. Right. That's perfect. Yes, exactly. Yes. I love that. I love that addition. Uh, and that, yeah, that's, and mm-hmm. that's just something that is not done. And I feel like what you're explaining there, that reference interview, is that what you said? That that would be, that's just a mm-hmm. part of communicating that everyone needs uh, to a certain extent. Yes, and it fits in any situation. Yeah. yeah which I think is important, <laughs> is that you might have taught uh, employees that or been taught yeah. that and used it in your workplace, but it is a skill that should be used in all conversation, in all life, everywhere. It's also one of the basic skills when you're dealing with a conflict. Like if you, if I want to disagree with you about something, mm-hmm. um, step do. one is for me to ask the question, make sure I'm not making assumptions. Step two is for me to confirm that I got it. Do we agree that I have it? And now step part where I provide feedback. So this is a technique, balanced feedback. It's, you've heard it used all over the place, but um, I start with the merit of what you've said. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can see that that metal coverage would be, the metal armor would be a really good thing to have for a dragon. Concern I have is how heavy it would be and, and would the dragon be able to actually get off the ground. Right. So I heard what you said. There was some merit to it. I got your point, but I'm not sure I agree with you for this reason. Yes. Tell me more about what we could do about that. Yes. And that is that is an excellent example of avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. Right. Avoiding it entirely. Because it off the path. Yeah. Armor, just get mad. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the most common and biggest fault. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I at least see most often that when they get to the point where they both express, I was thinking spaceship, I was thinking dragon, they're still mad at each conversation and the conversation doesn't get resolved. Whether you intended it or not, I now feel stupid because I didn't get it. Yes. Yes. And people don't like to be made to feel stupid. No, they nobody don't. Likes. Nobody likes it pointed out in general when they don't understand something. Exactly. Right. Because, and that's basically what you're saying. They feel stupid because they didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so to f- further this Lego hologram analogy, I talk about what I call the communication. And it's a representation of completely crystal clear communication. The just absolute understanding of understanding right and that it's when you're having a conversation with someone who you can first of all i i don't believe that everyone has the ability to relationship with the individual or i believe that people that don't have a great relationship but they're both just exceptional communicators can get there and it's kind of as i send you a thought where i'm adding a lego piece and you send confident that we're building the same thing piece by piece, that every time I say something to you in your eyes and your facial expressions and in what you say following my point or my thought that I just shared, I see a bit of a flicker of your structure where Mm -hmm. I see kind of the outline of it and the piece that I just put on happen in your mind. And both people are getting excited about it because it's starting to come together. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and I feel like, and there's a few hiccups and stuff, but we're pretty good at getting back on track and making sure we're at the same point in the conversation until 
eventually at some point you can have moments with people where at least I've experienced it, the holograms kind of morph together and become one and you're just looking each other in the eye and you see that that individual understands every single thought coming out of you and you ending that each other understands. So an example, um, I had a, a program at the library come in. I brought somebody in who was a retired comedian hmm. and retired improv actor. And, and so he came in to talk to library staff about the lessons that improv and so he talked about the fact that in improv it is only successful if everyone agrees what's supposed to happen here if they if i start with my thing and you have a different picture and you carry on the whole skit's gonna just die so what's incredibly important is an is agreement yes and mm -hmm. so you might say something, and I'm thinking to myself, that is the silliest thing I have ever heard. But I'm not going to say that. And it could also go over here. Mm -hmm. And so now at least we're heading in a direction. And you could look at that and go, uh, don't know. Yes, and we could do that. Yes. And so now we're at least moving forward instead of having the, the conversation is dead and gone. I can't even begin to explain the way you worded that. <laughs> and that you talked about someone saying something going in one direction, and then you say yes and to bring it back in the other direction. It, if you, when I get these posted and you listen to my podcast with my last guest, I had this exact conversation and I will have it with you now. Um, so what you're, what you're actually discussing there is my next point and multitude of different things in conversation, including appropriate interruptions, misunderstandings, and deeper into the difficulty of communication. And it's that when you're talking about things, you might have a certain image or thought in mind that you want to share. And to share that is really tedious. It sucks. And so I might have this thought that is immensely complex and I need to express it to you. Like the one I'm currently trying to express to you, right? It just is taking so much time to get there because I need to say so many other things to make sure you're with me with your head nods, your eye contact. The framework is right? clear. And and I go to, I got to bring you along to point one and then point two and then, and I'm trying to get you to point five, this, right? Yeah. And how did we get here? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I need to make sure you're understanding point one and two and three before I move on to each next one. And that creates what you were just saying where someone will say something and it, it's this Point one to point five, et cetera, can be kind of thought of in a group of people are navigating a jungle and you're, each person speaking is the leader, right? Where they're leading the team towards something that is the point that they're trying to get to. And what you were talking about there is that someone will be making a point, they're on their way to point one and someone else interrupts and diverges it in the other direction and then, and you can get into all kinds of complicated things with that, at least I find, where you're, if you're, if someone interrupts and takes it too far off course, it can be really hard to get back to that point one, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a polite individual and every, none of this makes sense. And you're like, 
yeah, it does make sense. You're just really focused on all the shit you just said because I was nice and acknowledging everything you just said and you didn't acknowledge any of the shit I said. So now I'm just aggressively trying to drag your ass back to point one. I have been known when that happens, and particularly if it is in a setting where a resolution is important, we need to come up with a plan or we need to have a shared understanding of something, because yes. then, then I will at that point when they're, you know, everybody's got to breathe mm-hmm. sometimes. <laughs> Let them go until they have to yeah. drag in a breath. And then I'm going to say something. I want to keep my eyes on the prize here. Oh, that's good. That's a really interesting point, and I want to talk about it more, but I want to be sure we have time to finish here. So I'll take that way back. Right. So you're you're moving towards point five or point three or whatever, and someone says something, and you're basically straight up through that choice of words that you just used there. You're recognizing there's value in what you're saying. It's not the direction so I want to go in. That balanced feedback part, yes. the merit, yes. I, I absolutely see where you're coming from there. And that's really interesting. Well, that thought, to, I want to, why I opened this conversation. Yeah, I like that. And I like, we can work our way back because I really like what you were saying. Yeah, and I like, not, I like what you were saying that you just said, that's really interesting. I love that choice of words that I, I am probably going to be implementing that in is when running into situations like that in conversation. Um, and so... Yeah, I'm not just standing there waiting for you to draw a breath. Yes. Please, would you stop talking? Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying what you're saying. Exactly. My concern is I'm going to lose this thought if we don't get there. Yeah. And, and I love the way you're explaining these things because they're tying in exactly to the analogies that I'm using. And I think the... But I, I want to take a pause for a second here because I feel like we're kind of we're we're kind of hovering around some stuff that I want to discuss about the the meta of everything and that is that these analogies and the reason I'm building them the way I'm building them with these visuals and everything is because I feel like personally and I have found when discussing them with people that I have discussed them with all varieties of people in my life and I have not yet once ran into someone that hasn't got it right <laughs> And, and what I mean by that is they haven't got my latest versions of them. I've had people that didn't get it. And then I refined the analogy or the concept until they did get it. And the language you're using and the way you're saying, and I'm going to be adapting a lot of that to my life. Like I said, I'm trying to create things that, um, send the same message, Mm -hmm. but are more universally accepted conceptually. Does that make sense? Yeah. So visually. Analogies for these type of things is that we're talking about non-tangible things. And even my fiance is studying like the uh, certain foods and how they affect your immune system and stuff like that. And she's talking to me about cytokines and different stuff in the body. And as she's explaining it and what she reads in the book, it's like, oh, these guys are like the emergency services and they run in and they eat dead things and whatever. And like you read textbooks like that and because we're talking about super complicated things that how the hell else are you going to understand them otherwise? And people need for true understanding. It does two things. First of all, it simplifies it. Yes. You don't have to find as many correct words 
in order to describe the thing you want. Yes. And secondly, it brings it back to people's experience. So anytime you can tie a concept to somebody's experience, are much, much in, improved. A hundred percent. Yes. And I, I have found like my, my fiance talks about her learning struggles with having some dyslexia and some other stuff. And it's, it's really not as big of a deal as she claims it is. She's an incredible learner. Um, she <laughs> kerfuffles pronunciation and spelling every once in a while. And it's like a lot. Of, I have had all of these conversations with her in depth. In fact, the 0.5 one, I, her and I were, were having a regular friction in our relationship where as I was discussing things, and I'm sure you can tell so far that I would discuss these existential yeah. and each time she would interrupt, it would quite often be in not the direction I'm going. And I made the mistake of using the phrase, yes, but, which is not at all the same as yes. And right. Yes, not at all. No, because that is almost acknowledging what they're saying, but then saying it's wrong by saying, yeah. but right. And so I have now adapted, yes, and, I'm not perfect at it, I still mess up every once in a while, 0.5 concept, and solved that issue in our relationship at the same time. So now, moving forward in our relationship, we haven't had that friction one time, not once, which is amazing to me. And go ahead. Another technique for dealing with that, when you get to where you really want to say yes, but, mm -hmm. is to fall back on good old English grammar. Use a period. So da-da-da-da-da period. I also want to talk about okay. the concern. Yeah. So, so it, it's, yeah, merits and concerns, but from an English, you know, sentence structure, potential period, new thought. Yeah. So and like having a pause, having a pause specifically after the acknowledgement. Yeah. So right. what I heard you say was dot, 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 period. So here's a new thought. What if? Be very effective. Everybody take a breath and move on. Yeah. Um, and so I have had many times in our relationship since these conversations where, um, excuse me, my fiance is, we've been going back and forth, excuse me. And she, she goes, uh, I, I get it. I get your point five. Never mind. I thought you were going in a different direction. Keep going, go ahead and finish. Yeah. Right. And, and then there's been other times where she straight up said, Oh, okay. I thought we, <laughs> we were just building totally different Lego structures there, but I get it. So you now have your own. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it, and I think that that has so much value and I think not what I'm talking about here, maybe totally different words, maybe totally different frameworks, but I imagine a world where regular people that have only known each other for a very small amount of time, and maybe they pick up the talking about talking book. I don't know. Right. And yeah. they both, have you read that book? Yeah, I've read that book. Oh, awesome. And then they're friends and then they're talking and they're enjoying their, and the amount of time and effort involved in coming to that conclusion with regular words and regular communication is immense. But that only happens if you have good intent and you have responsibility. Yes. A hundred percent. Right. Because otherwise they're not reading the book. No, 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 God, no. Um, and I don't think that I'm going to be some sort of prophet that's going to shift the planet. <laughs> and, and sorry, you said intent and judgment and responsibility. responsibility. Yes. Responsibility. Yeah. Taking that responsibility to, to understand that I'm not perfect in terms of my communication. Yes. And, and I bear the responsibility to improve it. If I want this little Venn diagram to grow at all then I got to put my 50% in. Yes. And, 
And if I'm really interested, then maybe I could invest a little more than 50%. Yes. Oh, you just, you're just killing it. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I love that. I just setting them up and you're knocking them down. It's so good. Um, it, and so that responsibility that you talked about that it, you said after that phrase, all of this, and that is probably the number one point, right? Because without understanding the importance of your responsibility to improve your communication, which includes improving your ability to just useless. Well, that's right. And if you're not going to improve it mm -hmm. because you don't care to, then I think you have a responsibility to be kind of open about that. I never thought about that. If you are just flat out. If I'm stepping away for whatever reason, then I think the honorable thing there is to. You're basically just talking about letting whatever human instinct take the wheel in your life. And, and and that understanding that my investment in this is not going to be huge. Yeah. Because I think there's, there's something we haven't talked about yet that I think is equally as important is the decision not to communicate. Yes. And so part of my job at the library was also to kind of be the, the listening ear for people who just wanted to talk this through. Mm -hmm. And and I would have people come and, and say, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a situation. So-and-so is really mad at me because I said this to them. Okay, what did you say? Well, this is what I said because, um, you know, I'm just picking a name out of a hat here. Judy said this. And, and, and so I told Sam because I thought she ought to know. Mm -hmm. So then my question to them would be, and what was your expectation that Judy or that I've lost track of who's who, that Samantha would do with this. Yeah. What did you What did you think was going to happen? Well, doesn't she need to know that? Why? Able to do with it. If all she's going to be able to do is sit there and feel bad mm -hmm. because she's getting bad mouthed by Judy, but she doesn't actually have a relationship with Judy, she doesn't work with Judy, mm -hmm. and all you're setting her up for is to feel awful. Agreed. Yes. If Judy's really got something going on, Samantha will figure it out soon enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but, but we're not obligated to communicate every last thing. And, and with that example that you're giving, it's this individual that has brought the attention to Samantha, the person that has relayed the message unnecessarily, was yeah. once presented the opinion, perspective, value, or moral in life that you shouldn't talk shit behind people's back, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so they were given that to the people and how that is properly exercised in life, she did not understand to the extent that it should have been understood, yep. right? And so she has a skewed version of that structure that she puts in her life and goes, this is, this is what I need to do because she can't consider. It's a risk management, yep. health and safety background too. Yep. So risk management, what is going to be the outcome when I say these things? Mm -hmm. And... And I need to think about that a little bit before I just open my mouth and yeah, yeah. So where what's the risk? What's the reward? And and is it worth it? Yeah. For and sure. For um sort of something that is a general understanding, like don't talk shit behind people's back and yeah. they'll take that and act in a certain way that you just go, No, no, like that's that, that is not but because they make it an absolute. Yes. 
instead of something that gray has a framework and is a guideline in a certain situation. Yes. And that, that plays into another thing that I like to talk about is that, uh, which isn't really on my list, that everything is gray. And when we talk about um, decisions, conflicts, and opinions and perspectives, there, I feel like there, people are like, oh, there's no right and wrong. And I don't like the words right and wrong. But I feel like in a lot of situations, black and white, they're very specific shades of gray. And it's things like, uh, which brings me into the next thing I'll get into, but uh, morality, right? And because moralities are perspectives, perspectives or opinions, they're all, they're all kind of interchangeable to an extent. They're based on your experience. And they're not legal. Yes. We're not talking about legalities. So we're talking about something that is covered by legislation. Yes. There's a right or a wrong. Yes. Yes. But when we're not talking about, you know, the law says, Mm -hmm. Well, I feel I feel like arguably that would be legal or illegal, right? Because people will yeah. argue whether or not laws are legal right, or yeah. right or wrong. Sorry. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's certain things like if we get super gray and, or super specific and we talk about uh, violence towards other humans, physical violence, is that right or wrong? Well, what the f- are you talking about? What, yeah. what do you mean is that right or wrong? Is there places where it's useful yeah um is there places where it's horrific a lot yeah right and then we have if we for only the reason that is based on and nothing else their sexual orientation their gender their race their political views something like that should you do that no that's a unanimous no right and like if we get that unanimous no but it should that exactly right and so i feel like there's unanimous no to anyone that is remotely intelligent about human life and what the human experience is and empathetic in any way, shape, or form, right? And I understand that there's religious things in certain cultures where people are brought up in certain ways, and I'm sorry, it's just wrong, right? It's just inherently wrong. And I feel like those are the kind of things that humans need to come together on, right? Because the real question of, is physical violence right or wrong? Well, that's not really going to, like, that's too complicated. That's too up in the air, right? But should you physically assault someone just because you don't like the color of their skin? Everyone right. needs to know the answer to that, right? It's just, it's not a question anymore. And the fact that it was at any point is upsetting. So, yes, it is upsetting. Um, it might be a goal that is currently out of reach. Agreed. So the question then, or, you know, a process-driven gal like me, how do I improve the part that I can improve? Mm-hmm. So what, what can I take responsibility for in terms of developing techniques, uh, working on uh, my empathy, working on to articulate with some clarity my standpoint on this? Mm-hmm. And how to resolve that um, that conflict between you don't agree with mm-hmm. me in terms of the the sanctity of this human life. Yes. So how do we how do we get past those big questions? And there is a a wonderful YouTube a TED talk by William 
Beauty, you drink. I'd have to go look it up. Anyway, it's about the 18th camel. Finding the 18th camel. So he is a world-renowned um, negotiator, and and his work is all about uh, being able to find those points where you can develop enough of your intersection that that you can at least have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Really interesting stuff. So where is that 18th camel going to come from? The one that's going to serve both people. Okay, so basically, how do you <laughs> how do you overlap or work on overlapping the appropriate parts of your Venn diagram? Finding that point of agreement. Where is the thing that we can agree on? Because we can build on that with yes and right. And explore the differences using balanced feedback if we can just find where that one point is because there's going to be one yeah. for human beings yeah we have some shared experience yeah and we loved our mother great there's yes. a thing we can with. perfect it, yeah i love that so it, it's like basically finding the conversation or the interaction or you might be aware of the other individual's value that is total opposite of yours and rather than founding the conversation on that, which is a terrible starting point. And I guess I believe that lasting change happens better from inside than from outside. Yes. So if I can get inside the Venn diagram part and I can bump it open and develop trust yes. and have more conversations mm -hmm. and make that thing bigger, then I'm going to have lasting change. Yeah, for sure. It, it, even you just said an example there that I just in my mind, I'm thinking about all the different situations with my relationship that there were concepts that I was like, this is the concept. And she was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. And I was like, but, <laughs> no, this is the concept. And she's like, yeah, no, I don't like it. <laughs> right. And to, to kind of explain that and what we're getting into here is the next thing, which is the, uh, what I call the morality egg game. So it's that every moral that you have, and I mean like the specific ones, even like the, should you be racist? Nope. That's right. I got that one. No, you shouldn't. It's stupid. Lego hologram analogy for conversation when we're debating something some sort of morality or i am trying to convince you or you're trying to convince me or whatever it is it's as if each thought we share is representing the density of our shell on our egg right every time we say something it's representing how tough our moral is and again i have with your best effort and i have perceived 50 percent of that your egg and whether or not one of our eggs crack is the game, right? And so we just say things back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until one of the eggs cracks, basically. And that is the idea of developing different your morals. And it gives a better understanding of how this happens over time because there's so many people that are like, well, what I just said there, Oh, my wife came home the other day and told me this and that. And I've been telling her that shit for years. Why didn't she listen to me? But she listened to that other guy, right? And it's that in those situations, people need to understand that they did listen to you. It's just that you were providing a bunch of information. You were representing your egg in a way that was just... Well, and to come at it from the standpoint of personality types. Mm -hmm. So I'm an expressive personality. I deal in ideas. I 
Um, I express them. Mm -hmm. um, I get an idea in my head. It comes out the front of my mouth. I want to talk about it. But if I'm, so I worked with someone who was an analytical personality. Okay. My boss. So I bounce into the office and go, I have a great idea. It's going to save us all kinds of money. Blah, blah, blah. And this analytical person is, well, what do you mean? No, we haven't even talked about it. Well, I came in and I dropped my big idea mm -hmm. with no buildup. Mm -hmm. A person for whom detail is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And so because there was no detail, I sketched it in broad strokes. It was a non-starter. Yeah. I thought, no. Yeah. I have to learn how to take it away. Okay, it's a, it's still a great idea. I'm not going to not do it. Mm -hmm. But now i got to figure out how to present it. Yeah. So for that kind of person, I had to learn to say, so listen, I had a massive idea. I'm still working through the details. But here's the, here's the big picture. And I'm going to put some details together just to make sure that it'll fly. Mm -hmm. And then it'll go away. Mm-hmm. And I'd wait a couple of days. Now this person's been chewing away at it and, and they're, you know, kind of worried about this and they're kind of worried about that. But now when I come back, I get much better airtime on my massive idea yeah. because I had met their need for the detail. Right. It, and the fact that I'm aware that there would be some required to make it work. Mm -hmm. So if I'm understanding correctly, is it, the densities are on a scale of one to, or zero to a hundred, hundred being perfect and never attainable, yada, yada. And you came in and you were like, Hey, check out this 90 that I have. This is amazing. And presenting it that aggressively in his mind, he went, yeah, that's not a 90. That's not a 90. No. Give your head a shot. Yeah. No, it's not a 90. I don't think so. Yeah. And then you had this little bit, it's at least 60 here. You see this? Yeah. Right, and then he's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. But this and this and this and this. Yeah, exactly. And then you give him a little bit more information, and then he rec like he he might be ex willing to accept a sixty, right? That you're representing. Why those people come back two weeks later, and all of a sudden it's yes. Yes. Because you've given them the time to process it, to think it through for themselves, not take any risks, because mm -hmm. I don't really like. And. And come up with yeah, and I like what you idea. said there. How it take people, it takes people time, and that's probably excellent information for many people that want to move forward and be effective in debating things or changing people's minds or providing different perspectives. That you might want to just, based on what you're saying, depending on the kind of person you're working with, you're not going to present your idea the same way to everybody. No, of course not. Because then, if I am a an expressive who's taking everything personally mm -hmm. i think to myself you are so freaking negative mm -hmm. I, that's the last time i'm giving you any of my ideas yeah well now i've just cut my own throat and yeah. nothing is going to improve so one of the one of the coolest things i ever attended in terms of training sessions which i went to a billion of um was something put on by the after-school program people. And they had a nurse coming in talking about behavioral problems with kids and how to figure out what's kind of going on there. Mm -hmm. Last thing she said at the end, because clearly this woman had been talking to this group of people before, she said, remember, Q-tip. So after everybody left, I kind of bounced up to the front. I said, I have to ask, what the hell is Q-tip? <laughs> Quit taking it personally. Yeah, because it's not intended that way. That is good. That is really good. 
And that kind of plays into all of it, right? Where um, everyone knows that relationships are the most important thing. No one's going to damage a relationship on purpose, like unless they perceive you as trying to damage the relationship, they might be firing back. Uh, But no one's out to get you. And like, you just got to understand what's going on in people's heads and listen to understand and all of those things. Um, And to assume that a misfire is my lack of understanding is such a much nicer. Yes. I want to live in a place where everybody's out to get me. And and that's, that kind of brings me to the point with this egg game is that I, I try to play this game. Like I'm presenting you all these ideas that are just weird and wacky ideas and totally obscure. And they're like the most important thing to me other than my relationships with people, of course. (laughs) Look at this thing. Break it. Like, go break it. Like, can you break this, please? Because I want you to break it. And then if you can, or you can chip something, or you can add to it, I'm ecstatic. And that's kind of how that egg game works, is you got to want your egg to break, right? And you need to go through life doing that with all of your... You're not trying to defend your egg. That's yeah. an excellent point. You're not trying to defend it. It's a very good language. I'm going to use that moving forward. <laughs> that you're not trying to defend your egg. You're trying to represent your egg and find the toughest egg, right? And it's just an issue that nobody does that. Like, everyone's so set on their collection of eggs. They're like, no, they're mine. Nobody break them, keep them perfect. And you try and have a conversation and you'll be... You're presenting stuff that in your hologram, you're just obliterating your their egg. And you're like, obviously, this is like, why are you still? And then you recognize that in their hologram, their egg is invincible. And no amount of anything you say is going to change that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, well, great. This conversation so to try and find your little point of agreement is going to be really hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And that ties into what we were saying about uh, finding the overlaps that are... And maybe there are times when you absolutely have to do that. You have to put in that hard work because you have to work with this person. Yes. Or this is now your new, you know, father-in-law or... Yep. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. So the work sure. has to happen somehow. Yeah, sometimes you do need to just cross that bridge. I know I have had in my relationship that have just been awful awful yeah. conversations but on the other side oh my god the relationship's so much better so yeah. much better right and i think that's an excellent point that we can lead into is that uh, i explained this last episode saying that people talk about growth and getting better right and improving you gotta be a better person move forward and it's all positive the the, the language they're using which is extremely misleading because if you want to be a better person mm-hmm. a version of growth that is all fun, happiness, sunshine, and rainbows, right? Is that, is that fair? Is, are we on the same page with that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it has to be as painful as no, no pain, no gain. But, uh, yeah. um, but I think care has to be taken. Yes. And often we fly into things quickly because we're mad or, or we're under some time constraint or whatever. Apply sufficient care to ensuring that I'm clearly understood that I'm being empathetic, that I'm letting the other person speak, that I'm Mm -hmm. addressing their concerns, you know, all of those things. And so when you say care, 
um, and just kind of being aware of the other person's morals and opinions and perspectives and being respectful of those? Is that? That's part of it. But, but the care I was referring to was the, as an action word. So the whole um, being careful about applying all of these things and, okay. and taking measured steps to ensure that I'm speaking to you in a way that is acceptable to you. Yes. Yes. And that, that's probably a good point that before moving on, I would, I would like to take a little tangent on is I mentioned briefly about like um, being careful to uh, know that you're basically receiving the message the way I'm sending it or something like that. Right. Yeah. And I really would like your opinion on this, but I feel like with the Twitter verse and internet world, yeah, right. Oh, I like that facial expression. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, with that, with this world like that, I I feel like for those, and unless the sender of the message is just blatantly being an awful person, like an indisputably awful person, you can't like you can't be like cancel them or I'm offended or you, someone. This is a crime, hate crime or whatever, when, when like they're making a joke responsibility that people put on the sender of the message. And I think about like, a shit, I don't know the, the comedian, he made a joke about breaking a dollhouse over his kid's head. And it was basically saying in the tweet that he wouldn't want his son to be homosexual. And that was the idea. But the tweet he made the tweet like yeah I, I think i remember it it was like cancel him because we dug up this tweet from that long ago and all that shit and there's just so many layers to that that it's like man so like it's his kid first of all and like he didn't even straight up say i don't believe he straight up put homosexual connotation like the words homosexual or the word gay or anything i don't think that was in the tweet i could be wrong but regardless the point is it's it's not like he is saying that homosexual people should not have rights. He's not saying homosexual people should be beaten or you shouldn't talk to them or whatever. So here's my concern about social media. Mm -hmm. And I'm not very active in social media for exactly these reasons. Yes. You and I can have a conversation and on a completely nonverbal level that I can say things to you in a certain way and you won't get excited. And, and you feel the same way. 100%. So now having assessed all of that non-verbally, we haven't even talked about it, mm -hmm. I feel a, enough trust to be able to venture one of those senses that if there isn't that trust and you can't hear my voice tone, you're not going to get it. And it's going to look awful in print. I'm kidding. Mm -hmm. And there's been enough, you know, I'm. I, you've come to the conclusion that I'm not a total asshole. Mm -hmm. So So far, yeah. <laughs> All subject to change with yeah. <laughs> then that can fly. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to have a whole lot of heart burning over what did you mean and yes. what kind of idiot would do that and all the rest of that. Yes. You can't do that on social media. You don't get voice tone and you don't, you know, often people you can't really explain yourself in 140 characters. Exactly. So it's just not a good idea. So now I worked for the library for 45 years where the concept of freedom of access to all creative thought and expression was a guiding principle. Mm -hmm. No book 
gets burned. But we might put the book in a certain place and we might talk about the book in a certain way because it's no longer an book just taken by itself. Sorry, repeat that last bit. You chopped up a bit. Just the okay, last sentence so or so. Um, it's no longer an appropriate book given the framework of today. Okay. It's completely appropriate at the time. Right. So we're not going to cancel that book. But we're going to put it in a historical collection. Ah, uh, yes. And you can certainly, excuse me, come and use it whenever you want to. But we're not going to stick it out on the little kid's shelf and say, hey, I've done it. Yeah, that reminds and me. And I, I feel the same way about freedom of speech. And what you just said there with the books, that reminds me of uh, recently, we're going through old photos of my fiance when she was younger, and they talked about this book called like the little bat little black nambo or little black sambo little black sambo yeah, yeah. Yep. and of reiterations to make it less and less racist until eventually they're just like, successfully, but... yeah <laughs> yeah right oh yeah yeah, so, yeah that... so i'm not going to put little black sambo out without some context right yeah and and so you're saying that that is the same approach that should be taken with social media. But I think that there are things, first of all, I think that there are things that it is not an appropriate. True. So I don't think that a person gets to say whatever they want to say as meanly as they want to say it. No, I agree with Just that. for the sake of being mean, because they like it. Yes. Um, I don't think that's right. I agree with that. I And I feel like intent and context is so significant and this brings me to probably one of the most extreme examples of what kind of what you're talking about is um a comedian that i absolutely adore this guy's work is anthony jeselnik he is awful just one of the most ruthless awful comedians i've ever listened to and i love it because i have some sort of affinity for people making dark humor because to me when and this is just a little bit less so for me in my world might not be everyone's understanding what people (laughs) people laugh at funerals absolutely they do yeah yeah because they're having conversation yeah yeah because they're telling stories about the yeah because the more you can laugh the less yeah it all is absolutely um and so Anthony old happens he takes to Twitter and makes a joke about it as quickly as possible and if you listen to uh thoughts and prayers on Netflix his special you'll hear his explanation at the end of it basically he explains that he's not making a joke at the victims of the tragedy because he's making the tweet as the tragedy happens like immediately and victims have me going, are we trending on Twitter? Right? He says that stuff. Yeah. So basically, it's it's that the reason why he's making these tweets is for the people that go on social media and say, my thoughts and prayers. My thoughts and prayers go to these people or whatever, because those people are basically saying, don't forget about me today. Right? And that's his perspective on this. Whether or not you agree with that doesn't matter, but that he's basically saying, those are the people that I'm out for what was the what was the phrase someone used that word recently um uh, saying things that makes it seem like you're being a good person but the act of saying it you're not i i don't remember um anyways sorry uh basically that 
it's it's just this message that is if taken out of context is horrible and horrific but if you understand his intent behind it you you might be the kind of person that and that's the kind of thing that we could do in person or if i could watch him in video i'd be better mm-hmm. because i could tell from his facial expression more of what he was doing yes but just to have it on twitter i'd probably look at it and go what the hell yes yeah i agree with what you're saying there and it's and, and that's why I, it comes down to where I feel like when it comes to Twitter, so because there was the there was a tweet recently, um, Burger King said women belong in the kitchen, and it was on National Women's Day. Did you see that one? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I didn't get oh, it's I see Burger King doing it. Right. It's amazing. They put women belong in the kitchen, and that was it. That was the tweet. People blew up. Obviously, that's a terrible thing to say, but they were um, putting together. Uh, scholarships for school because it's like a male-dominated profession, and they're trying to empower women. And it was it was supposed but, to be an eye-catching thing. Coming back to a point I made earlier, that's where not enough care has happened. A hundred percent, I agree not with that. Not enough care to set it up before you unleash it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and to to your point, uh, my future mother-in-law had said that they could have just put like hashtag that would have totally fixed it okay and so so yeah so you're saying that the receiver bears more of the responsibility uh, responsibility but i think that's only by virtue of their position okay i don't believe that they bear more responsibility i think the sender bears more responsibility because it is the difference between an act of commission or an act of omission the person who's writing is the person who's committing Crime, as it were. Yeah, my my issue with that is that if it's a TV, I, I love that we finally found something that we even slightly disagree on. Can I address that for a second? <laughs> like, I'm just so excited to have even a remote debate with you. Other than yep, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree. As fun as that tennis game yeah. is, back and forth. Anyways, um, if it's a television show or a movie or whatever, or news. All of these things have a power button on them. And that is why I just feel so strongly that it is the responsibility of the listener. If someone is giving, they're not in your face. They're not holding you. They're not shouting and spitting on you. Turn it off. Switch to the next thing. Scroll. Next. Block. Yes, I think there is not enough of that. Right? Like you have no go reason. Right? You have no reason to go and shout and scream at someone on the internet for something or go to the next video or go to the next page or close the page. It doesn't matter. Like, just stop. But that comes back to the notion that we're not really well trained how to deal with those disagreements. Yes. So they're shouting, they're screaming because they haven't got a better way of giving their balanced feedback. You know, I understand that you meant this as a joke. I found this deeply offensive because... Mm -hmm. How do you deal with that within the conversation as opposed to just So I think that is an excellent approach as well and definitely acceptable. And when I was saying turn it off, go to the next thing, I meant it as you have an out, right? Mm -hmm. To act like they're forcing something on you is wrong, right? If you want to open a dialogue with that individual and you are ready and willing to accept and a respectful exchange yes. of experience. Yes, hell yes, that's way better because then you're giving them more than 140 characters to explain their perspective. So what I what I have certainly seen and one of the major reasons I've stepped away from this is because you know, I, I send my 
balanced feedback and I get more vitriol back. Yes. It's like I opened the door for them to really go to town now. If you're not interested in a well-intentioned feedback, mm -hmm. we can't yeah, have a conversation. For sure. And that brings us to the point where the and it's so hard to set a hard fast rule on this but the best way to explain it is the moment you're being an asshole is the moment everything's your fault right like speech right there's certain things that are defined as hate speech in law and i think that's appropriate well, now we're doing legal illegal again yes, exactly. until you get to the states where this first amendment crap is yeah um really tiresome right and I feel like the, as far as legal, illegal hate speech has gotten some, it, it's gotten close to that right and wrong for the sake of what should be said or what shouldn't be said. Yeah. But for the most part, they got it pretty good. And so to me, it's, it's that your, your example that you just gave where if you open up the dialogue and you find that people fire back being an asshole, right? Mm -hmm. That's the point where that's their responsibility now. And now they're being a dick. And now they have the right to be told that they're being a dick. And it's. But do I fire back with that? No. And now we have a, no, you're the asshole. No, no you're the asshole. There's no, no right. help. Yeah. Button. I but tried that's where I get back to the concept of when do you not communicate something? Yes. If all you did in your 140 characters was denigrate somebody, mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. And, and I, that's don't, I don't see the point. And are, I mean, is that is that leaning more towards like the hate speech that I was talking about before, where we're like directly saying hatred? Or things that are contrary to the value. Those are legal things. I'm talking more about inappropriate and inflammatory language that denigrates a person. So somebody gets on and says, that Trevor, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. why is that there? Okay, now now and degrading things that can be said. Some Trevor of that. Was a total because he dot dot dot. Yes. Okay. Um. Maybe that's fair. Maybe I was being a total asshole. I don't know. <laughs> um. But I, honestly, if someone says that, I'm I'm probably going to respond with that. I'm probably going to respond with, oh, okay. I see why you feel that way, and I didn't intend that, and whatever. But that's because that's who I am as a communicator. But that, to me, is a conversation between you and that person. The conversation between the two of you and 8 million other people. I can agree with that. I don't think that, and I, I feel the same way about happy birthdays on Facebook. I don't mm -hmm. know if anyone notices, but I don't wish people happy birthday on Facebook. At least not writing on their wall. But I do wish a lot of people happy birthday through Facebook reminding me that I what inbox them or I text them or I give them a phone call or when I see them. Because to me, happy birthday, personal message that was supposed to have value in that way. Um, not that I don't value people writing on my wall saying happy birthday. It's nice. It's a nice gesture. I get what you're doing and I get your intent. So, you don't have a relationship. But... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so you're basically talking about situations where, uh, what do they call that? What's the legal term for it? Where, they're, where you say something publicly about someone that's untrue Slander. Yeah. Uh, oh, libels when you write it down. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're basically talking about libel, slander, almost not legally, but for the most part, the same concept that is you're just publicly announcing a negative thing about another individual. Um, 
and I mean, I, I, I would agree with that, that that's a good point, that that is unhelpful, not useful, and not a good approach. But I feel that's like, good. yeah, that, that puts someone in the box of asshole. Pretty well, in my book, anyway, but in everybody's book. I, so we don't have a shared agreement. Yes. And that was the problem. We didn't, when these software companies got rolling, mm-hmm. And came up with what they thought was going to be this great thing. We didn't have a cultural structure that defined what its use was going to look like. Yeah. And that kind of ties into the overarching theme here that we don't have agreements on these things that we need important agreements on. Things I don't like to me, if someone says, oh, social media is a problem. I'm like, well, no, social media is a mirror, right? It's showing us society and what society is and what society has become it's like it's a tool that can do amazing wonderful things finding long lost siblings and family members and becoming collective on things and raising money and collaborating like but it is kind of a human characteristic that somebody builds something amazing and percentage of the people that convert it to something not so amazing i agree with that and that is really something that would get into a more detailed conversation about um i i really have this kind of feeling this human feeling that when i was talking about like morals and that there's ones that are just like that's the way it is like not being raised those are just fundamentally human things right like or should be, or should be exactly and i feel like there's it sounds like craziness, but this kind of existential, whatever powers that be or creation or the randomness of the universe or whatever, that there are a certain collection of these that are the best ones in at least they're on those ones that really matter, right? Yeah. Like the, the, even, even if we take religions, which is incredibly controversial, you've got these people think cows are sacred and wonderful. And then these people are like, no, we're going to eat them. And it's like, okay, well, we need to have a conversation about that. We need to have an agreement. And it, it, should, it shouldn't be you're awful because you do this and you're weird because you do that. It, it should be talked about where you have to discuss when, it in detail. Go ahead. And when you're, I think the, the intersect point there becomes when your belief has a tangible and negative effect on my belief. Yes. Who who works on that dispute? I, I think both, right? Like there's got. But it might be a larger question than two people. Mm-hmm. He, he's venerating them. Yeah. Um, who then sets what that line is? Because we can say we agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. I'm that cow. I understand that you wouldn't eat your cow. I'm not going to offer you cow when you mm-hmm. come to my house. Yep. But if you decide now that I'm a jerk for eating that cow, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's only a problem insofar as we don't develop much of a relationship, but to being a huge problem if it were taken yes. to the nth degree. Yes. So who then is the mediator in that case to say, you know what? She acknowledged your right to venerate the cow. Mm-hmm. Nothing she's doing is hurting you or your belief, but what you're doing could potentially hurt her. Mm-hmm. Who who then do we elect? 
You bring up so many good thoughts there. I don't even know where to go first. <laughs> so like, let's consider like how, do, who draws the line? I mean, we could consider the possibility of, I, I like to kind of draw up these random crazy ideas of if you take whatever, I don't even know what religion it is that worships cows. Is it Hinduism? I don't, I don't know. Is it? I think maybe. Okay. Anyway, collection of religions that don't, and then take just like the highest of powers, the highest priests and pastors and popes or whatever they are, people. Representatives uh, of all, yeah. Yes, representatives of their religion and take the top ones and send them all to a big building and they just got to meet for X amount of time at X frequency and come to a mutual agree to disagree understanding rules each other just because they like a different book like and i would say there's more possibility of that kind of thing happening as the world shrinks and the world is so much smaller now than it was even when i was a kid elaborate on that that the chances of people actually being able to get together yes because when so if i'm the bishop or whatever Mm -hmm. and the head of that religious order over there. Well, I don't know them, don't know much about them, many of those who live here. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any real experience. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier for me to just feel that that's a problem that's over there. I don't have to deal with that problem because mm-hmm. it really has no impact on me. Yes. Well, these days, because of the way the world has shrunk through travel, through the internet, through news, through all of that, mm-hmm. Um, I now understand that those people over there have an impact on me. This needs to be resolved because it's a thing. Hmm. And so coming up with the structure to resolve it seems more possible to me now than it would have even as I was younger. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's just a concept that I have. And I think it's kind of the over one of the many overarching themes to all this is that I believe effective communication from both parties. It just can. I wouldn't say avoided, but I can certainly say resolved. Yeah, avoided or resolved, if not avoided, right? Um, But I'm a very strong believer in the United Federation of Planets, so (laughs) the whole world coming together to talk about something is not a stretch for me. (laughs) The United Federation of Planets? (laughs) Star Trek. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. I've seen the Star Wars. Yeah, so... This uh, coming together and finding agreement and communicating, it's just something that like I, I, years and years ago before I had any of this stuff put together in my head, I would say, why don't we have world leaders that are just like, we're going to battle. Why don't they just go sit in a room with a translator for a while? Like, why are you like, I'm going to blow you up? No, go sit down, have a translator. You guys hash it out. Whatever his name is. Yeah. TED Talk, because I think you'll find it fascinating. Yeah, I have that. Definitely email it to me. I was going to watch that after. Um, And it just makes so much sense to me that that is such a better way of approaching problems is just talking through them. Like, why do we need to blow people up? Why do we need to punch people? Like, you just don't. We just assume good intent. Yeah. proven otherwise yeah and has either one one of two settings when it comes to trust either they trust everyone until they have a reason not to or they trust nobody unless they give them a reason to trust them right and that second one is just a less effective direction towards human collaboration yep right and, and it's a hard place to live yeah i can't even imagine like 
Yeah. I trust everybody. I, if I run into some random person, I'll give them a help with whatever. That's fine. Yep. If I'm in the area. And I'm going to assume that you're telling me something because you yeah. have a good reason. And yeah. And, and so that kind of brings us towards uh, trust. Uh, and you mentioned earlier about trust. And I've been thinking, because you said on the phone something about trust after I made a comment in the direction of one of these concepts. I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically I was saying this and that about people communicating, sharing thoughts, yada, yada. And you said, yeah, and as long as they trust the person. And I kind of digested that a little more. And I realized that, so that the, the cloud nine level of communication that I talked about, right, where it's just super crystal clear. And I feel like you and I have hit that quite a few times in this where we may have faded in and, in and out of it here and there, but we've had quite a lot of this conversation reference to something we talked about 45 minutes ago. And we're like, yeah, I know what you mean by that. Right. And, and this is kind of what I'm talking about. And I, while I'm on this, that is like the most beautiful thing in human experience. As far as I'm concerned above all else is that just amazing crystal clear communication. Um, and I spent a lot of years in a relationship trying to get, my partner there, um, obviously not the partner I'm currently with, trying to get them there to that level of communication and can get there. And I don't know if it's, and I, people might find this offensive, I mean it only matter of factually, I don't know if it's a matter of intellect or emotional intelligence or the way your brain functions in its capabilities as far as communication. But I'm also, thought, yes. And the thought is that it was almost destined to fail if you felt you were trying to bring somebody. Okay. If you were um, mandating ownership of something and had made the decision for the two of you that this was important mm -hmm. without the buy-in of the other person, mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't happen. Right. So that may not have been the situation you were in, but... To the further point that I was getting to that you had made about trust and how your point on trust kind of ties into that, that I realized that not everyone is going to be able to get there if they don't trust you because communicating with that level of clarity involves a certain amount of vulnerability. Right. And you, you were explaining that before. I'll, I'll just let you elaborate on that. Go ahead and kind of flesh that out with that crystal clear cloud nine? I have to, um, first of all, commit in my head that this is this thing that I have to say is important enough that I have assessed the risks, and it's risky, but the value of it is measurably larger than the risk. So the risk part comes in when I don't, I'm not sure enough mm -hmm. that will receive it in the way I intended mm -hmm. or that I will do a poor job mm -hmm. and you'll pop off because you didn't give it enough time for me to explain myself. So all of that is hugely risky. And the only thing that balances that risk is the trust that the other person will in fact assume good intent on my part, um, give me, even though I might have said something poorly and they're offended, to find out whether they actually should be offended or not, mm -hmm. and to then trust that we have enough of a system in place that we can 
work through disagreement if we are just not on the same page at all. Right. Having that confidence in the foundation of the relationship that the, the, the structure that you put into place. Yeah. That the gap has been minded enough that things are standing throughout the process. Yeah. And I really appreciate that, that you kind of gave me that perspective because that was something I hadn't really considered is, um, an, it, because I, I want to get every time I meet people, I want to get them there. Like, it's like every time I'm talking to people, I'm like, Hey, let's go here. And some people are like, Oh, sweet. Okay. This conversation's crazy. Yeah. And then there's other people that are like, Holy shit, where are we going? I don't want to talk about this stuff. That's crazy, man. Why do I? Yeah. I don't know you. So you had mentioned that after I gave the example of the relationship that I had, that I could not get the person there. And I, I had hoped prior to this that I, and I had in my head, uh, maybe naivety or maybe I was right that you could get anyone there. If you just tried hard enough, if you just put in enough time and effort, you could get anyone there. And there's a, a small piece of me that hopes that that is still true, but I predominantly feel like that's not true anymore. Um, and I would say it's not true because you're negating their 50%. Yeah. So, and, and that's kind of what I want you to elaborate on is what, what do you mean when you say that I'm negating their 50% by trying to communicate with them as well, we clearly as I can. earlier about the fact that there's responsibility on both sides. So you either have it because it's been thrust upon you mm-hmm. and you feel like the end goal is enough that you're going to eye roll, eye roll, pick it up and carry it. Mm-hmm. Or um, you feel intrinsically that by doing something, there will be enough of an improvement that it's worth your time and effort to put in. Or because you deeply care about something, you're passionate about it, and you and it doesn't even feel like responsibility. It just right. feels like something that's good to do. Yeah. So if those things are shared by both people, then the chances of the work that needs to go into helping us find our, our little Ben thing mm-hmm. um, is going to go forward and be deemed to be good for both. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're doing all the work and you're you're trying to, you know, hustle me along here, or even, you know, just gently bring me along. Like we're in a almost parent and child kind of situation. So my my 50% that is mine to choose to give you. Yes. Seems to be taken over. You didn't intend that. Okay. But I could see that somebody might feel that, hey, this is this is mine. You're stepping on it. Person, how can we make this trying to understand more clearly? So it's as if I'm trying to bring them to this cloud nine and it's my point five and I'm like trying to drag them there. And it's that every even before that you've made the decision for both of us. Oh that this is desirable. <laughs> that this is desirable. Yes. Or that this will help us. You've made that decision for both of us. Okay. So then... So, in... so as, a, as an adult in a relationship, I don't want you to make that decision for me. I'm, I'm going to make that decision for me. Hmm. So is it... It's Because it's not necessarily about whether... Because I'm getting what you're wrong or even the intent of the decision. It's a perception. It's what I'm... It's that I'm making the decision. Yes. And I am not making the decision mutually. Exactly. We're not coming to an agreement on the decision. So the, because we're getting very, very specific here. to kind of presentation is going to be everything here. Yes. 
and so, leading with your intent. I don't want to take over this relationship. Yes. I have a structure I think could work for us. Speaks to me in terms of its visual and um, con conceptual presentation. Mm -hmm. and, I would like to present it to you to see if it speaks to you. Yeah, and more more on that note, when I had that relationship, it was when I was a teenager and younger, and I was kind of sort of developing these thoughts a little bit, and yeah. I was like trying to express them, and I didn't even understand them because they're still yeah. like, I still don't fully understand them. That's why I'm doing this to try and flesh them out more and more. Um, and more to your point of presenting it that way, that's kind of what I did with my current relationship is I every time I presented one of these concepts, I was like, I, I explained it. If we have this conversation, it's going to be something that we can refer back to because it's a mutual understanding and it's going to make it for an excellent tool moving forward in our relationship so that we can solve problems presented. Um, not that I did that before at all. So that's a but very in, fair point. In the way you present and the words you use, you really want to be careful to not be doing teacher and student, parent and okay. child. It's yeah, like so a power that, imbalance almost. Okay, so on that note, I, I did want to touch on that because the parent, child, teacher, student, is there not a certain amount of that in most social interactions? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've read. No, I haven't read how you can determine the role of individuals with the pronouns they use in their speech and the role they're taking in the conversation. And you can like take a collection of someone's emails that are written to their boss or their coworkers or their significant other, yada, yada. And they'll use totally different pronouns when emailing all of those individuals. And some people might be like, oh, well, obviously it's different context, but you're taking different roles when you do different, use different pronouns. And so from a psychological standpoint, I feel like there's a um, aspect of uh, teacher, student, parent, child, all conversation. And a good way of avoiding the parent, child, teacher, student, power, less power mm -hmm. is eye language. Is so the use of eye language. The thing I'm doing is I am presenting my viewpoint to you. Yes. I think mm -hmm. that I have worked out a process that we could use pretty successfully mm -hmm. to resolve any kinds of problems that we have. Mm -hmm. I'd like to take a minute and see if you think that it would work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Here's, and I'm going to explain. Now it's less of, I'm going to help you right. to communicate better. It's, I think I've got something. Well, yeah. When we get into this situation, because we know we will. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Yeah, and and I that that's an excellent point. I have I at some point implemented uh, the phrase "I feel like" mm -hmm. into my speech. I've probably said it a thousand times during this podcast, um, but it, it it's something that is just. I've I have read an article. Someone wrote, "Stop saying I feel like it's a cop out. You're not taking responsibility." I'm like, "Fuck you!" Uh, <laughs> I just I I think I feel like. I feel like is a perfectly fine phrase because it's, it's such, sorry. It's how you feel and yeah. you get to own those. Yeah. They are. Exactly. And they're making the point that people can't tell you you're wrong. Well, yeah, they can. You can tell someone that their feelings are wrong. You can. It's just, they might not react to well, their feelings. It's all one and the same, thing, right? I would never tell somebody that their feelings are wrong, but I certainly would say I don't agree with you. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. That is my experience. Yeah, and that's that's exactly it. It's that it's not about right and wrong. And saying I feel is basically just expressing yourself. You're just like, here's what I'm thinking. Here's my perspective. And it's just such an effective way to communicate. And I have found it has totally changed my debates and conversations in life to say I feel like uh, to people. Um, I feel like we got <laughs> laser slice into that one point you made about um, me kind of taking, I think we were just fleshing that out. So the parent, child, student, teacher. So basically you're saying, because there's all kinds of different student-teacher relationships, right? Sure. And There are times when it's completely appropriate. Yes. And you're talking about a student-teacher relationship in which the teacher is exercising their power over the student as opposed to trying to be a guide. Demonstrate a knowledge that the other person doesn't have. Yes. Um, because there's plenty of teachers that are just like, learn this, and you're like, I don't get it. And they go, well, try harder, right? Yeah, read it again. Yeah. And with that. No, I think I was looking more at it from power imbalance. In a relationship, I mean, they're never perfect, right? But yes. you hope that there's going to be 50% of this person and 50% of this person, and together we're going to make this third person. Okay, is that necessary? But there is a lot of room in there in a healthy relationship for I've got more of the power, you've got less of the power. There, there's, there's not. So there's regarding I'm power. That in a in an ideal place, I bring X amount of characteristics, values, thoughts to this relationship, and you bring X, mm -hmm. and. And the two of them, we, we juggle back and forth. And out of that, we get more than 100%. Yes. Because we give each other each thing. Yes. So I totally agree with that in the perspective of making up for each other's shortcomings and uh, helping each other be a better person and uh, complementing each other's behaviors. And like uh, my fiance talk about all the time how there's like certain little details throughout a relationship where one person feels really strongly about a certain thing and the other one really doesn't give a shit, but kind of. And then because they're aware that that person is going to give for them on something that they recognize that is ridiculous about their own behavior, right? And stuff like that. And so I can agree on that. Uh, from the standpoint of psychology is where I'm getting hung up because a lot of my reading and understanding is psychology based. And I think about the um, alpha concept where there is a leader or someone who is dominant and someone had to lead. Forward. Yeah, it, it's predominantly male that that happens. You say that people get really mad, but it's true. If you find that in history, it's predominantly males that took the lead. That doesn't mean that they're more important because the women take care they go and make sure everyone's okay does everyone have water does everyone have food like women the the guy doesn't take that role i'd say that's pretty freaking important and i would say that some of that is training okay that women um who played that role speak from that experience okay so, so that's where you have your expertise so that's what you do yeah and, and, I think, you know, where that becomes problematic is when it is assumed that's all you can do. But, agreed. But that's not what you said. So, no. yeah, so agreed. I'm not layering that on this. Yes, yes. No, and, and I don't feel that at all in any way. Uh, but 
you look at uh, the and, not but, and you look at um, bedside manner, nurses and doctors, women crush men. Like women are way better statistically at bedside manner. Women mm-hmm. just naturally have more empathy. They naturally care more, whether that's right, yep. whatever version of yeah training, like you said, that comes to play over uh, 20 years or 100,000 years, then whatever, yep. fine. But it's, I think it's useful to recognize that there are just roles that certain people take based on their gender, their personality, their upbringing, their genetics. And in a relationship, the the issue that is hugely important is that there is agreement on those roles. And they're not just yes. assumed by yes. their side or the culture that you grew up in or the um, perspective of your partner. Yes, I can definitely agree with that. So that because when you were saying 50 50 it was making me think well sometimes people just lead the way like sometimes there's one person in the relationship that just but that's a very small part of the 50 right right um and i'm just wondering is it always a perfect split though i i just feel like quite often it's going to be weighted in one person's favor or the other to think of it as because i guess the question comes down to what variables are we discussing that can be split perfectly and i would say it's it's also about what each party is willing to accept and is happy to accept yes um you know if in the relationship you've got one who is a strong leader and one who isn't isn't is quite happy yes or the one who is to take on that role because i don't want it absolutely yeah i don't want it Mm -hmm. and i will make my contribution in other ways Mm -hmm. but that has to be understood before you can engage in what you talked about, which was kind of bringing this person along. Right. Okay. So the conversation needs to be made about, or the conversation needs to be had about those roles before mm-hmm. you can expect to, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so basically you need to have a conversation that designates you as a leader in a way, if you intend on yes. leading in the other this person. particular way. Yeah. Because you yeah. lead over here, yeah. I'd like to try leading here because I think there's a value for both of us. So talk about your benefit. You know, anytime you're in a negotiation, you want to talk about what's the benefit for the other person. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically to break it all down, you were saying that with my previous situation, I may have been trying to lead in a situation where leadership was not discussed or founded and I should have previously discussed that or laid that out, or I should have came across, came upon the conversation differently in general, like we discussed before. Would that, you be comfortable if? Yeah. Would be map. Is that cool? We're going to go in this direction that I want. Is that cool? Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I like that. Good. Uh, the, the one last point that I have it is... It really does need to be our last point, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think we're coming up on like two and a half. Oh God. <laughs> okay. So the last point I have, we'll just kind of, sk- what, what do you got for time? Yeah. 15, 10 minutes, five. Can we, can we do another five? And- five it is. Basically it's, uh, the analogy is pinpoint or dinner plate, uh, attempted explaining different levels of specificity and complexity to thoughts. You and I just spent a bunch of time working our way down to a pinpoint. And a lot of people speak in dinner plates and they can only comprehend in hockey pucks and et cetera, et cetera. That's all it is. Um, but I think more importantly, 
I would like the existence of life as a human as a computer monitor for understanding consciousness. This is a terrible analogy, but for what I'm asking, okay. it's useful. I'm here. Yeah. So you are uh, in your skull watching this screen that is life. And some people, when they're working on a business or whatever, they put sticky notes on their monitor to remind them of things, right? Always respond to emails that you read immediately, right? Something like that. If you could automatically be okay. stuck to the monitor that is the consciousness of all humans in the world, what would you write on that sticky note? Assume I'm not an asshole. <laughs> Assume I'm not an asshole. I like that. That's good. So referring to whoever you're talking to, right? Just doesn't matter. Yeah. With everybody. Assume That's good. Not an asshole. That plays into so much of what we just discussed. And I am so incredibly grateful for your time, Beth. I have loved this conversation. Oh, this has been Yeah, this has been an absolute blast for me. And you've given me a lot of different things to add to what I already had and more perspectives. And I love it. And you've challenged me and I really appreciate that. Um so thank you so much. You're very welcome. It is the complexity is unbelievable, but there are lots of possibilities for making it work. So it's just a little care needs to be taken and a few techniques to oil away. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for your time. You're very welcome, Trevor. Um, Lovely to talk to you. Absolutely. Beth, is there anyone else that you would recommend for me to do this with? Do you know anyone? You don't have to think of it now. If you do, you can shoot yeah, me an email. Let me put some thought to that and send you, send you what I got. Recommend for me for my communication, my doing this. It's not, not offhand. I think that we were very successful in terms of our ability to communicate pretty high level concepts. So mm -hmm. I think um, so too. No, I thought there was a lot of clarifying and confirming going on. Yeah, so that's great. Very pleased to see that. Yeah. Okay. So, that's, yeah. that's it. But, but do call me if you want to uh, hash out any other just thoughts or ideas yeah I, if you're game i will take you yeah. up on that yeah. awesome I mean, this is highly interesting stuff to me so okay thank you so much beth you enjoy right. the rest of your day take care take care bye-bye bye-bye <laughs> i am deeply grateful to you for listening to this podcast your support means the world to me and i am committed to continuing to create content that resonates with you if you would like to help me turn this into a full-time endeavor, I would greatly appreciate it if you could share this podcast with your friends and connect with me on Instagram at Talking About Talking Podcast, Twitter at Talking the Letter A Talking, and YouTube Talking About Talking. Your engagement and support will help make my dream a reality.